The following presentation is brought to you by the Creedle Podcast Network. To learn more or to support our efforts, head to patreon.com slash creedle. That's patreon.com slash C-R-E-E-D-A-L. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Life, a podcast about what it's like to make a movie. We are following closely the production of a short film called Double Bondsman. Through interviews with the director, cast members, and production team, I'm bringing you onto the ground floor of filmmaking. This is episode seven, Sandbags and Quasars. So I made it to Virginia, and I'm in the car right now on my way to Distant Moon Studios where we're doing the first shoot for this film. Uh, the studio is in Percival, Virginia, which is in Loudoun County. It's northwest of Virginia. It's a very affluent part that's sort of on the outskirts of the Washington, D.C. suburbs. All right, so I'm pulling up here. This is Percival. It's a small kind of sleepy town. It's only 8.30 at night, but the town already appears to be asleep. I went by a KFC, and all the lights were off. There was one car in the drive-thru, so I guess they've already graduated to drive-thru only. It seems a bit early for that. Not totally sure I'm in the right spot, but I see... Oh, yeah, that's definitely it. There's a shoot going on there. Very cool. So, uh, looks like they're doing the shoot outside. They've got a car set up, they've got some lighting. Looks like a red Mustang. I'm gonna head over there and see what's going on. We left off the last episode four days in October, talking about the Michigan contingent heading to Virginia to meet up with Maggie, the distant moon folks, and some other crew members. That was October 4th when they started the journey. The four days in October start on October 5th with some prep work, prop creation, more on that later, location scouting and the like. But October 6th is when the shooting starts. If you want to see the schedule from the production book, I've included a link in the show notes that lays all of this out. I flew to Virginia the afternoon of Tuesday, October 6th, and I land at Dulles International Airport in the late evening. From there, it's a 45-minute ride to Purcellville, where I arrive at Distant Moon while the first shoot is already underway. That's what you heard in the beginning of this episode. I park the car and walk towards the scene, where a red Mustang, that's Josh's car, I would find out, is parked under what at the time I could best describe as movie studio lights, I would soon come to learn that these are called quasars, a rather Star Wars-sounding name to describe something that actually does kind of resemble a lightsaber. Or if you're less imaginative, it's just a fancy mobile tube light. There's also a very expensive-looking camera parked on one side of the car, a small crew of seven standing around holding various pieces of equipment, and two leather jacket-clad fellows sitting in the front seats of the car. That's Jacob and Josh. I recognize them from the audition video. I'm late to the party, of course, so I don't want to interrupt, but right after I walk up, they start filming another take. Um, Scene 1C, take 2, market. And... Can I set? Action. 
Is it not here to me? Is it today? Which is it today? Yesterday? Last Thursday? I just can't stop thinking she's like mildly disgusting. Of really? Close. We'll talk about that, right? Can we cut someone walk in front of like, Now, I apologize for the crickets that were trying to steal the show there. But in that brief scene, you probably heard a few things that are familiar, like action that Chandler said, or cut that Ian said at the end. But there are a couple other things that you might not be familiar with. Like Ian, for example, said camera set, which is it's kind of intuitive, but it basically means the camera is configured and ready to go, ready to hear action from the director and shoot the scene. At the very beginning, you might have also heard Brandon, who's one of the crew members, say sound speeds. And that basically just means that the sound machine, the sound recorder, the microphones are up and ready to go. So sound speed camera set, action, do the scene, and then cut. Well, after this scene, or after this take, I should say, Chandler called a brief pause to the work and wanted to introduce everyone now that I had arrived. Hey, can I uh, have everyone's attention for a sec? Yes. I just want to say a couple words. Um, so, first of all... And he did so. We, of course, had to wait for a helicopter to pass over. But then Chandler was able to give some remarks. Thank you all so much for coming out and being a part of this film. Um, I'm super excited about all of you being here. And uh, there's a really talented group of people here. Um, and this is my brother-in-law, for those of you who don't know. Um, his name is Zach Crippen. Uh, he's from Colorado Springs. And he will be uh, filming, or sorry, recording a podcast about the making of this yeah. short film that he's already been working on. Yeah, I'm not sure if I mentioned it. It's called Real Life. Tell your friends. Um, so basically, I mean, he's going to be recording some stuff. Um, yeah, uh, during downtime, he might ask you if you want to do a quick interview. Um, so, you know, if you're busy, feel free to say, hey, not right now. But, you know, if you can, I'm sure he'd appreciate it. Um, also, Maddie uh, is over here filming BTS, which we're going to cut into some uh, fun uh, content. Um, and uh, I mean, overall, this is, has been many months in the making uh, and uh, we've got people from all over the country. Um, also, if you guys don't know, these are, this is Hannah and Andrew. They're our PAs from uh, VCU Art, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the shirt's the shirt's helpful. Um, so uh, they're film students there. Uh, so it's it, it's great to have you guys. Um, and uh, I think pretty much everyone knows each other uh, apart from that. But uh, these guys are fantastic. We've been hanging out with them. We've got an Airbnb in, in Bluemont uh, just up the road. Um, and uh, I think pretty much everyone who saw their audition tape was instantly like, yes, these guys are, are the ones. Um, and uh, I had a fun email chain with Ian going where like, um, I think he had said something like, the only, my only concern is I feel like with this script, the actors have to be perfect. Um, and then I was like, how about these guys? And he's like, oh crap, these dudes are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they've, been, they've been great to hang out with. Uh, and uh, this is kind of the core group that, that we have going. Um, but uh, over the next couple of days, we'll have um, some people come in, um, some people, you know, maybe on crew, some people on, on cast who will be here for 
uh, a day or so, but uh, I think everyone here will be here the whole time. Um, so thank you all very much for that. Uh, anyway, feel free to, to ask if you have any questions, and uh, let's, uh, let's make a great movie. Now, so far, you've met Chandler, obviously, Josh Liebhauser, Ian Reed, the Zukowski brothers, Maggie. But a few people you didn't meet who Chandler just named there are the three production assistants from Virginia Commonwealth University. Let's introduce you to them right now. Hello, I'm Maddie Wade. I am the BTS videographer on Double Bondsman. I'm from here in Percival and currently go to school to study cinema at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. Hello, I am Andrew Chinuin is my show name because I use my middle name because I'm an asshole. Uh, I am a production assistant on Double Bondsman. Uh, I'm also a student at Virginia Commonwealth University, also known as VCU, but I'm originally from Northern Virginia, I guess you could say Fairfax. Hi, I'm Hannah Cantrell. I am also a production assistant uh, on Double Bondsman. I am from Northern Virginia as well, and I'm also studying cinema at VCU. I'll throw this question to Maddie first. How did you guys find out about Double Bondsman, and how did you get involved? Sure, so um, actually a couple summers ago, I had the chance to work with Distant Moon and went with them on their shoot at Hillsdale College and got to meet Chandler and Josh. Um, and then I've gone out with them a couple more times working as a PA on those shoots, making the course material for the school. So I, I did know Chandler and I saw that he was working on this film that he was putting this team together. He was putting a lot of stuff on Instagram. And I just messaged him that I'm like, hey, this seems super dope. Can I please like come help? Like whatever you need, just let me know. I'm local. I knew they were shooting here in Percival. Um, if you need people to stay at my house or you need local talent or whatever, just let me know. And he's like, yeah, actually, would you be interested in doing behind the scenes BTS? And we talked details and made it happen. Andrew, how did you get involved? Uh, since I met Maddie at Richmond, uh, she brought it up to me and Hannah because they needed two PAs, right? And they, she came to us and I was like, yes, I will do it. Well, first I was on the fence, like, oh, we have to go all the way back <laughs> to Nova and I'm going to stay at her house for like a week and um, miss school. But I guess if it wasn't for like this whole Zoom university thing they're doing where basically all my classes are online and not in person. So it's like, oh, I guess, I guess I'll take this opportunity because when else am I gonna be able to skip a whole week of uh, like college to go do this? I'm an adult, I can make my own decisions. I turned 18 like a month ago. <laughs> Keep forgetting about that. Uh, so we're like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Like she said, I need someone to commit now. Uh, she sent me over text, I was like, okay, I can commit now. I'm doing this, let's do this. And yeah, now I am here and it still <laughs> feels kind of like a dream. Uh, PAing is very, uh, very different because uh, you know, on film sets, there's really usually a lot of delegated roles. Like, if you're the DP, you are the camera guy. If you're camera operator, you operate the camera. If you're director, you direct the actors. But a PA basically, I guess if, as you can see, does like the grunt work for basically anyone who needs grunt work done. Like, we carry a bunch of gear. We can go get food for people, get coffee for people, just move some general stuff. Uh, but it's been a really great learning experience. Uh, and not just for filmmaking, just for anything, just like a lot of life uh, lessons in general. As in, I've done a lot of weird stuff since I've gotten here. Like I spray painted stuff for the first time like two days ago. I drove a Mustang for the first time. I moved it down two parking spaces. It was pretty cool. Today, I painted a jail cell with uh, the producer, Josh. That was an interesting experience. It was really fun, it was cool. And yeah, it's PAing is just a bunch of random stuff and I'm really glad that I'm here.
All right. And last but not least, Hannah, how did you find out? It sounds like Maddie also was your avenue of information here. Yeah, so I also was invited by Maddie, and I did not know Chandler um, before we started filming. I met everyone for the first time, but I actually did not really have any experience. I'd never been on set before, um, and I just didn't really... I came to VCU to study cinema, um, and I didn't really have any of the background knowledge that a lot of my classmates do have, um, just because... You know, I was interested in cinema, but I came to school to learn. I didn't really come with with knowledge already. And then, um, you know, Maddie and Andrew have YouTube channels, um, which I'm sure, <laughs> which I'm, which you know, isn't directly related, but but I'm sure that is like a little bit of experience. And yeah, so I figured this would be a really great opportunity. Um, and. I knew absolutely nothing, so Maddie and Andrew did um, like help me a little bit before we came here, giving me like little lessons on terminology and stuff. Um, but you know, the, I feel like the fastest way to learn is just to be on set and learning as you go and having that hands-on experience. So I'm really glad that I decided to say yes, and I'm really grateful that Maddie asked me. So Hannah, it sounds like you and I are in the same boat. Like a story of how little I know is we were on location yesterday and one of the, uh, one of the distant moon texts was like, can you guys get us more sandbags? And I was like, oh, sandbags must be like some slang term for some like fancy piece of film equipment, et cetera. <laughs> and then I see you guys come back in like holding no kidding sandbags. And I was like, oh. Yeah, no, I, w I mean, even, yeah, even s small stuff like that, like, Luckily, I had Maddie and Andrew to explain that stuff to me because they definitely did tell me what a sandbag was because, I mean, yeah, like it, that one's obvious, but like so many things aren't obvious and which makes it more confusing. Like you said, you, you were expecting something different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think my experience shows that it's not even obvious. I definitely thought it was going to be a technical piece of equipment, not just a sandbag. But let's talk a little bit more about other terminology things, right? Like what, what are there, what are some of your favorite slang words thrown around on set that refer to something in a language all their own that someone who's walking off the street would not understand? Yeah, sure. Um, one that's, that's kind of fun and convenient, but also can be confusing is, um, the word sticks can refer to a tripod, which is like, it kind of looks like three sticks put together. That makes sense. But it can also refer to the slate, the clapboard. Oh my gosh, there's so many names for everything. Clapper. Um, so yeah, you can refer to that as sticks as well. And one time I was on set doing the slate and they asked for second sticks, which means, can you please slate again? Because the first one got messed up. But I thought they were asking for another tripod and I was oh, really no. confused. Uh, I think one of my favorites is, well, there's, there's another one. Of, one is a uh, hot bricks or cold bricks. Hot bricks mean, means uh, I need a, like a charge battery. Cold bricks means, you know, it's dead. But I think one of my, the funniest one is, uh, can you Hollywood this for me? And that means, uh, uh, there's not enough time to set up a stand, so you have to get someone to just like hold something, and that's called Hollywooding. If you just have to hold something up for uh, to like reflect light for the camera, that's why I'm not moving to LA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
first i just want to say that i actually despise how um sets have so much like slang like i well i hated it more before i actually got on set because i was like this is so stupid but like now i kind of understand like everybody sort of gets into it and it's definitely like makes more sense when everyone's on the same page obviously but yeah it kind of makes things it can make things complicated if you don't know uh if you don't know what people are talking about but uh one thing I did learn is um, uh, soft sticks is um, what you're supposed to say if you're um, slating. Been doing a lot of slating, um, and your uh, your slate is close to the actor's face, and you don't want to, um, you know, slap the sticks really loudly, yeah, and like startle them. So and just to be clear, yeah. the slate is that you know, act, whatever, scene, mm -hmm. whatever, take four, and you drop the little, yeah. so that's called yeah, the slate. See, so slating is the act of operating the slate. Uh, hopefully, because that's how I've been using that word. I still, yeah, I still don't know what I'm talking about. Soft so. sticks is when you softly clap the slate. Also sometimes called the clapper. Also sometimes called the sticks. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I mean, some of the jargon's funny, right? Because like, oh, we got a cold brick over here. Can you give me a hot brick? You're like, do you mean a full battery? Like how much harder is it to say full battery? That's what I'm saying. Like, But it is kind of fun that the industry just builds up this jargon. Yeah, I think yeah. my favorite one is it's, Hollywooding it though. That's yeah, good. Yeah, it's fun good. when you know it, but when you don't know it, you're like, mm -hmm. I feel left out. So on the second day, the first full day of the shoot, we head to someone's apartment. One of the Distant Moon crew members had a friend who was going to be out of his apartment all day at work. And he agreed graciously to let the entire cast and crew in there to rearrange the furniture in the apartment, to set up their props, and to do the shoot. Now, in a big budget production, the director, or at the very least, the director of photography, would have had the chance to be on location and scout out what the location would look like before everyone arrived on scene. That wasn't the case in this production, so everyone got there and wasn't sure what they were going to get into as far as what the apartment would look like, what the layout would be, how much room they would have to work with. So when we arrive, uh, Ian and Chandler have to have in-depth discussions about how exactly to stage every single shot, where to do it, how to arrange the furniture and the apartment, and all of those things. Uh, we could probably also get it without the without the move. Just like, so, they, so, if he... If we see Brett walking back, so like we still have, in terms of the frame from back here, we have dead man on the furthest right of frame, Brett in the middle of the frame, Brett on the left of frame. Brett will come back in, grab Brett, and now suddenly they have crossed the line and we can, we can cut straight into we could cut fr straight from that into uh, the close-ups and then recenter for the... This is just a small taste of the many conversations like that that went on all day in that apartment as they figured out how best to stage the shots. While these conversations were taking place, I would wander the set and try to talk to some other people, and one of those was named Joan. She was a makeup artist who had been contracted for the day to come in for a very specific shot. Now, you'll see this when you see the film. But there's a moment in which the twins discover the body. And the body, to look convincingly like a body, needs to look pretty dead. And one of the best ways to make someone look dead is to give them an open wound. And so that's what Joan's job is to do. It's rather impressive to watch her go to work. 
I've never seen a makeup artist on a movie set before, but Joan walked me through a lot of her process. So how do you make the, um, how do you make what, like, what looks like an exit there, make it look like it's almost higher off of his face than? This is silicone that I've added. So I take a two part silicone mix and put it together and it dries super, super quick so that we have, stay closer so that he has uh, the skin elevation, so you can have depth. Of course, you can always show depth other ways, but this is, I find, one of the best ways. And are you gonna make an entrance wound as well? Is that this the is wound? This is the entrance that's wound. Entrance, no, okay. he's shooting himself here, and the exit wound would be out that way. So that's next. Joan's subject for this shot is none other than Josh Liebhauser, who, as you will recall, is the executive producer of Double Bondsman. You may remember a few episodes ago that I mentioned Josh would have a cameo. And indeed, this is his cameo to play the dead guy. The good news for Josh, no lines to memorize. Where do you get your supplies, Joan? Is there a, there a store for movie stuff? Or do you um, go to like a I costume make a store? Lot of it, especially things that have to go in people's mouths. I tend to make mm. that myself. So I'm sure of the ingredients, but as you can also see, Walmart get stuff at Walmart. Wow. There's a lot of That's cool. special effects stores that are really good. So at this point, Joan has me convinced even. Josh looks very, very dead. The wound on his face is extremely convincing. She adds some blood trickling down his arm so that it looks like it was done several minutes ago. And for that reason, obviously, Josh had to find a white shirt that he didn't mind getting stained that he would never use again. And then when Josh went in for the actual shoot, it was funny because the shoot takes time. It takes, you know, 30 to 60 minutes just to get the shot lined up and correct and get enough takes that you'll have to work with in the post-production process. And while we're doing that, the blood actually tends to dry. So every few minutes, every few shots, Joan will have to sneak onto the scene in the shot between camera takes and freshen up the blood, make it look a bit fresh again. Uh, so it's it's quite a process and it's pretty cool to see, but I have to say, it looks real. I also asked Joan, just for fun, what's the strangest thing you've ever been asked to do for a movie? I had to make a kidney once, mm. but I didn't know you could go to the butcher and get one, so <laughs> I got a pig kidney. That's probably the weirdest thing anyone's ever asked me for. Was it for like a medical? Yeah. One of my favorite things to watch on set is the actors, the cast members, practice ahead of time and work with the director to try to figure out exactly how to convey a scene. And you might think that it's the director just conveying to the cast members his vision, but actually there's much more of a give and take that I've noticed in which the director will say, here's what I was thinking, and then the cast members will do something and, and ask questions or suggest another way of doing it. Sometimes even Chandler, in this case, would see them do something and say, yeah, I like that, let's do that. And so I really enjoyed watching these scenes. The following audio was taken from the twins practicing the apartment scene with Chandler, and on the next day, Maggie practicing her interrogation room scene with Chandler. Like a step ahead of him. Okay. And I'm just thinking that when he says, dude, look at this, like I'm thinking he's talking about the body or I'm not even really paying attention. You're not even really paying attention to him. Yeah, because like, I'm looking at this. Yeah, your brain's burn off. You're, you're still like, I don't even know what's going on here Yeah. Um, kind of thing. But you're now kind of a step ahead where you're seeing the gun and you're like, hmm. Okay. You know? So you're kind of like, 
dude, look at this, you know, yeah. like you, as you're kind of looking at it. All right. Um, What's up, Alana? Oh, good, thank you. Uh, cool. I'm gonna go check on what how things are going inside. Okay. Um, let's, we can run it through. I was gonna say let's run it through like how uh, you guys were talking about me yeah. realizing it sooner. Obviously, like coming to that revelation sooner. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's do that. I don't think so. I mean, I've. We can run through the scene in in a in a little bit okay. once we kind of get the um, the other stuff put together. Um, I mean, I've brought in what my kind of ideas are, but it seems to be pretty in line with that anyway. Great. So. Great. Sweet. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, I'm gonna... I also really enjoyed watching the cast members practice their lines with each other, especially if they hadn't known each other prior to the shoot. So it's one thing to see Joshua and Jacob work with each other. They've grown up together. It was another thing to see Maggie and Jacob work together. And I was able to record one of their practice sessions. And it was just fun to watch the sort of dynamism and interplay between the two of them as they figured out how to best execute the scene. So you two wanted to be bondsmen? That was the dream. You know bondsmen are the ones who just loan money. Bounty hunters are the ones who try and chase down the guys trying to skip bail. Of course I know that. Bondsmen just sounds cooler. Here are the facts. A witness saw you and your brother enter the building. A few minutes later, he heard a gunshot, and then he sees the two of you fleeing the scene. Your brother's gone. You've got no alibi. I'm telling the truth. This is a setup. You're setting me up. All right. There are two plausible explanations. One, you're delusional, but you're telling the truth, in which case I feel sorry for you. Two, you are the killer, you're going to prison, and you're still delusional. I want to talk to my lawyer. You don't have a lawyer. On the last full day of the shoot, we left the location in which we were shooting the interrogation room scene and headed towards the Distant Moon Studios where within the studios themselves, Josh Liebhauser had been working most of the day. He'd been absent from the set prior to that. He'd been working for most of the day on erecting a jail cell based primarily on PVC pipe for the iron grates. And in this jail cell is where we shot what ends up being the final scene of the movie. And it was really fun to be there. Uh, the mood, I think, was great. Everyone was really tired because it had been several long days of filming and we had reached almost the end of another long one, but still had to get this scene just right, especially because it is the ultimate scene in the movie. But it was about a 10-minute drive over to the next location, the Distant Moon Studios. So I asked Chandler if he wanted to ride. He agreed, and I was able to pick his brain in the car just on the, the events that had transpired so far on set and what he thought about how the week had gone. Howdy. Hey, Chandler. Long day, huh? Yeah. Uh, I just had a sandwich, and that was the first thing I've eaten all day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You must be starving. I mean, uh, the sandwich helped. <laughs> You must have been starving. Well, I mean, it kind of got to the point where I was, like, not really that hungry anymore. Beyond hungry? Yeah. You probably also just had, like, so many things going on, you forgot to eat, right? Well, it was, you know, I woke up in the morning, and I figured uh, that I would skip breakfast because I woke up kind of late, and we were going to have lunch soon. And then, basically, as soon as I started doing things, then I didn't have any time to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, what do you think about how the shoot 
has gone today so far where we just wrapped the um, interrogation room scenes and we're headed now towards the uh, the jail room stuff but what do you think about how things have gone so far I mean today might be one of my favorite days um, I mean probably my favorite day um, I think that the interrogation room the performances were just really really strong um, and uh, we had uh, Maggie Alexander out um, from New York and uh, it was just like I, I could tell that she, she kind of warmed up into it and after um, you know maybe a five or six different takes and some rehearsals I felt like we were in a really good spot um, and the great thing about working with good actors is that you, you can it's, it's really thrilling when you know you can always kind of dig deeper with them or it's like if you have time to try something new um, they're up for it yeah I was just observing your interactions with Maggie and what she was doing in the shots and I just I thought it was cool how she was always like suggesting new ways to do it um, you know clarifying your intent and then how you would have her do different versions right so that presumably in post you can look at the, the various options and see what looks better um, or what fits better with the overall film but as a director it's got to be really helpful to have actors cast members who are like totally totally buying in or totally seeing and like you have sort of alignment of vision and direction in certain shoots well uh, you know I, there came a point in the day when I had gotten what I wanted um, from that performance um, but uh, I knew that I had overheard Maggie and Jake um, just kind of riffing um, on the, the scene earlier, uh, just kind of improv unscripted, and I was really surprised because she actually came up with some funny lines, um, and so uh, there came a point where I was like, all right, I feel like I got what I kind of had wanted, but I told her, I just want you to lay into him and just kind of... Uh, you know, make up some some new insults and kind of get get a little more uh, angry and and uh, frustrated. Um, and so, almost every take, she was just coming up with like different <laughs> kind of um, lines or insults. Like one of them was like, um, "Just looking at your face reminds me of all the paperwork you're costing me," um, or uh, um, like, "Did you smoke your brains out?" Um, and a few more that were a little more profane, uh, and uh, it was uh, it was a good time. And I feel like with with all those different options, we can in the edit really kind of pick and choose uh, moments from you know maybe here we're pulling from a take that's a little more kind of calm and uh, like menacing, but still very much like kind of in control. Um, and then somewhere else we can pull from a take that's much more kind of unhinged. I also have been thinking about our conversation on Saturday before we, we all came out here for the shoot and you were just, I asked you what success looks like and you said it looks like coming away thinking this is even better than I thought because yeah. I, I thought you were going to say like success is basically it went exactly the way I wanted to but but what you said was more insightful I think which is no it looks like us coming together to create something and these other people around me helped me create it even better than I thought it was going to be. And it sounds like 
we're coming away now. I mean, we're not done the shoot. Obviously, we've still got significant significant work to do on the shoot itself. But it sounds like you know at this point, like halfway through the shoot, that's how you feel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like we definitely got that today with Maggie. I feel like there's been a lot of other moments. Um, like we were just watching um, footage of the previous day um, when we were in the uh, in the apartment, and we were outside, and uh, we kind of had to scrap some of the shots a little bit um, just to save time. Um, but we got one really great kind of dynamic two shot <laughs> that <clears throat> lands this really great joke um, <clears throat> where. Uh, Rhett pulls the pistol out of his pants and uh, we were kind of scratching our heads on okay how do we frame it so that we don't show the lights but also can see him pulling the gun out of his pants and Ian was just like well what if we do this tilt down thing and uh, looking at it again um, afterward it was like oh dude that's like that that tilt made the scene like that it's I mean we I'm I'm so excited to see if other people laugh at it but we all laugh at it so (laughs) Yeah, it's it's uh it's been really cool to to and I I I got some audio of this just you and Ian kind of like talking through a shot, but it's been really cool watching the creative minds go to work on that and figuring out what's going to be the best way to portray this, etc. Right. When we you know I, I think sometimes we'll start from different places, um, but we'll talk it over and, and kind of land on something, um, and it's 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 the most exciting when. Uh, we land on something and we're both like, oh, dude, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Uh, so what are you looking forward to about this next shoot? We're headed to the Distant Moon Studios in Purcellville, Virginia. And Josh was telling me about the jail cell he built. I'm really excited to see it. PVC pipe made to look like <laughs> wrought iron bars, etc. Yep. Uh, what are you excited for about this shoot? Well, I mean, ever since we... Uh Ever since I wrote the scene, I've been wondering how on earth am I going to make this jail cell, you know, convincing. And uh, so it's it's built inside. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I I think it'll be pretty good. And uh, I know that um, the distant moon guys have pulled off weirder builds in the past, and it's worked out. Um, and so I'm excited to see how this one winds up looking. It was nice of them to uh, open up their studio to you to use. It's not it. It's not it. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> I was like, this looks like it, but not exactly. All right. Yeah. This. And then I, I, down here, I was like, oh, yeah, I did have to, definitely did not go there. I am pleased to report that despite my wrong turn and my navigation challenges, we did eventually make it to the Distant Moon Studios, where we were able to look at the jailhouse as it was set up. Josh and the production assistants did a great job. They had taken two by fours and drilled small holes in each big enough for the PVC pipes. I think it was inch and a half or maybe two inch pipe. And then had threaded the pipes through those two by fours. The two by fours were spaced roughly two feet apart. And the jail bars, the PVC pipe spaced probably four to six inches apart. And then they spray painted the whole thing gray so it looked like metal. Uh, They made two different panels of it so it could look like a sliding jail door. And I have to say, it looked good. And when you see this scene, just remember, this is all in the Distant Moon Studios. And when I say studios, this isn't like, you know, Studio B with the built-in back lot for filming. This is actually in the place of work for the Distant Moon crew. So if you're on set, if you look just to the left of where the shot was set up, you'll see all the desktop computers that the Distant Moon people use to do their video editing and post-production. I mean, this is actually, no kidding, 
in their offices. So it was pretty cool to see that transformation. And I think that the jailhouse shoot was a great one to end on, not just because it's the end of the, the film, but just because this was a fun way to show, sort of showcase uh, so much of the work that had gone on uh, for this week. Yeah, I did not like life on the land. The air was a suicide. They told me. So came a bunch of police officers out. Found a lawyer. And just like that, Rhett produces, from his pants no less, a flyer for legal services. And the attorney's face on that flyer is none other than that of real-life attorney, Mr. Lucas Ferrara, who, as you'll recall from episode four of this podcast, is Chandler's largest Kickstarter backer. Bottom line, I think Brett and Rhett will be out of jail soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Life. Next week, we're going to take a look at the post-production process. What all is involved in editing and coloring and sound? That's called Episode 8, Death by a Thousand Cuts. To learn more about this podcast and the Credo Podcast Network, head to credopodcast.com. That's C-R-E-E-D-A-L podcast.com. For questions, comments, or feedback about this podcast, send me a note at reallife at credopodcast.com. See you next week.